You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the bottom of the hour. Adam Lowry from the Winnipeg Jets will join us. We're also giving away those two tickets to Gran Turismo based on a true story. We're asking you at 960-960 on our text line, name and location, please. We'll do this at 8.30. What is the sporting equivalent of shooting 80 in golf? That close to breaking 80. What is the equivalent of shooting 80? 960-960, name and location. I love that we got a Bob Azumi classic reference on the text in regards to the... I'm on it. Incredible. Okay. We'll do that at 8.30 before we talk to Adam Lowry. But uh, our guests, our lineup of guests who were involved in the inaugural Rogers Legends of Hockey Charity Skins game this Saturday down at Canyon Meadows for the Shaw Charity Classic continues. She's a captain alongside Mary Philippe Poulin. You see her on Hockey Night in Canada. She's an Olympic gold medalist. We say good morning to Cassie Campbell Pascal. Cassie, how are you? Thanks for this. I'm good, George. Matt, how are you guys doing? We're good. So I'm going to share a quick personal story with you that you would in no way remember this in any way, shape, or form. One of my first paid reporting gigs when I worked for the Fan 590 in Toronto in September of 2008 was to interview you uh, when you got the um, Brampton, uh, the Cassie Campbell Community Center, uh, when the city of Brampton named the center after you, and that was my one of my first paid reporting gigs, and you were very gracious with your time, and I really enjoyed the interview. There's no way you remember that. I'm just saying how cool you were that day and how cool that was that they named the center after you. Yeah, that was... Uh... Yeah, beyond cool, and uh, thanks for being there to support it. It was it was an amazing day. Like uh, Wayne Gretzky showed up, and Steve Eiserman, and a bunch <laughs> of my teammates, and it was just a surprise to me. I, I mean, I knew the center was going to get named after me, but I didn't realize all the guests that were going to be there to support it, and it it just kind of blew me away. So, um, yeah, you know, I, none of my family we we don't live in Brampton anymore, but. It's funny, when I go back there from time to time, I go to the gym at the Cassie Campbell Community Center, and I go to the front <laughs> desk, I pay my $10 just like everybody else, and then the manager will find out I'm there, and she'll go, you paid, didn't you? You paid to come in here, didn't you? And I'm like, well, yeah, like that's what that's what you do, right? You go to a gym, and you right. pay your, your fee. So uh, she's always that's like, awesome. you don't have to pay when you come to the gym, but most of the kids at the front desk, they're like, you know, they just think I'm some old lady, so... They don't realize I'm the name rights of the building, so it's just kind of funny. And but it was a real cool honor for sure to have that in That's my hometown. Awesome. Uh, by the way, I wasn't allowed to speak to Wayne and or Iserman that day. I was shut down completely by Hockey Canada, but that was fine. <laughs> I I really enjoyed. That. That's okay. I really enjoyed our conversation, uh, and it was absolutely fantastic. Um, on a, I asked this about people who have accomplished incredible things in their sporting lives. On a rainy day, Cassie, maybe you're not feeling the greatest. Do you ever put on highlights of you winning gold medals for Canada at the Olympics on YouTube? You know, not really. I'll be honest with you. I don't even think I've watched that game from start to finish. I, I, you know, I've been at events really? where it's been on. And um, I, I remember we had sort of a, a team celebration afterwards and the game was on in the background. But I, I swear I've never even watched it from start to finish. And I think you remember it a certain way and you just want to keep it that way. And um mm-hmm. You know, I just knew that we had to kill a lot of penalties. And, it, you know, it was just an, an amazing and a crazy year because we lost so much during that year. And, and it wasn't really easy to be the captain at times. And, you know, you feel personally responsible. And 
and then to come out and win like we did and, and do it like we did, you know, and, and just playing as a team and everyone understanding their roles. And, you know, it was a real special group. I think a real special group who've done a tremendous amount. Every single player on that team, I think, has done something groundbreaking in the female game. And, and um, you know, it really is a special group. And, and they give back to the game so much, even to this day. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's fun to keep in touch with a whole bunch of them. And, and, you know, even if you don't get a chance to talk to someone for a long time, you know, you see them at an event and you just pick up right where you left off. So uh, that was definitely a pretty special Team Canada, you know, in 2002. Yeah, obviously uh, that and then uh, the gold medal in 06 and Turin, uh, the silver in Nagano in 1998. Do you ever lie in bed and think about that game in Nagano or no, or you're totally past that? Because I know I would think about it because I'm a small person. But uh, for you, do you ever think about that game or that's just kind of in the past and you just focus on the two gold medals you do have? Yeah, you know, I, I think about what I learned from an individual. You know, I was a young mm-hmm. leader at that time. And, you know, I think all of us, there's 12 of us that went on to 2002. I think we learned a lot about ourselves. That wasn't always so pleasant to learn. So I think that was really key for us. And, you know, something I still have a regret, I, I think of the France Saint-Louis and the Stacey Wilsons, and that was really their only chance at an Olympic gold medal. And we weren't able to get it done for them. So, you know, it's something you still think about in that regard. But, you know, I look back at that experience as maybe I learned the most about myself as a hockey player and as a person. And uh, and I feel like I got better from that experience. And, you know, ideally you'd love to have a different color, but I think that silver medal probably taught us more than any of the golds ever did. And, you know, it's something, you know, I went back with our current team and I was with them this last four-year cycle. And, and, you know, it's something I talked to them about. You know, they went through a bunch of losing. And, you know, that was an experience for me that I could kind of relate with to them. And, um, you know, it was. I think you just learn more about yourself through adversity. And I think it's really key that you keep your eyes and mind open when things don't go your way as to what you need to do better. And, and that was something that 98, I think, did for all of us. Cassie, what do you think of the kind of state of professional women's hockey in North America? It feels like it's maybe turning a corner here. Yeah, I think so. I think we've all known for a long time that one league was the best way to start it. And, you know, that doesn't mean that we can't have multiple leagues down the road, but I think to have one sustainable league that really works and has an opportunity to make money for ownership groups and uh, bring in sponsors, you know, I think it's really important and, you know, it's unfortunate kind of the way things have folded out over, you know, the last maybe four or five years. And I I, I try to believe that everyone had good intentions and wanted to do the right things for the game. But I have to tell you, I, I can't tell you how proud I am of the current group who, you know, the top players in the world who literally put their career on hold to make sure that we didn't go back to a model that we once had, you know, back in the Canadian Women's Hockey League that folded. And, you know, they, they really started to understand the business of the game and, and the true things that were going on behind the scenes. And and they stuck together. And it was hard because, you know, we saw some players sort of leave the PWHPA and go to the PHF, and, and they had every right to do so, and I don't blame them at all. You know, they were they were starting to pay players a lot of money. But I think, you know, the PWHPA players, they just saw through things, and they saw through the reality and what was going to work. and. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the salaries that were being paid, it just wasn't going to be a sustainable model. And uh, I, I do think we've turned a page. I think it's a, a big turn. It's great to see the NHL is going to be involved from a, a media and a commercial standpoint. I think that that's something that's really essential for women's hockey to survive. And, 
you know, that's something that I've always preached for years and years now, but it was nice to kind of, you know, step away a little bit and allow this current group to really take the focus and the leadership role. And uh, I just think they did a tremendous job and I'm just so proud of them. And I know how hard it was for, you know, not only the national team players, but the other players, the club players that are so essential to the success, success of women's hockey. So, you know, I, I'm really excited about what the future holds, and, and I'm looking forward to buying my tickets and showing up at the first game. Do you think that there's going to be – do you think that there is the same level of excitement in the players at this point? You know, I think the players are just excited to have a league that, that has a future, that, you know, that mm-hmm. they just want to play. That's all you want to yeah. do as a hockey player. You just want to play games, you know. you do. Who cares about practice? You know how important it is, but you just want to play games and um, – you know, I, I think the players legitimately know that they've set the groundwork here to have something that's long-term and sustainable. Um, you know, it's it, you have to have a league that has more than just sponsorship in kind. You know, it, it's just not going to work if you're just getting free stuff. You need money in the bank and um, you need salaries that are going to work across the board, um, that are going to be sustainable to maintain. You need guaranteed salaries. You need benefits, you need maternity leave, you know, you need all these things that, you know, uh, to, in order to be sustainable, in order for the players to be at their best. And, and I think this new league is going to have all of that and, and it's going to have some growing pains. There's no question about it. I think that's inevitable with all of women's sports. And, and I think today with all sports, really, you know, I think all sports are really struggling with sponsorship and, and all those types of things as money has changed since COVID and, and business models have changed since COVID. Um, but you know, I think the foundation has been laid, and it, it has a real big chance of being successful long term. Um, Cassie Campbell, Pascal Olympic gold medalist, she's on Hockey Night in Canada, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Cassie's a part of the inaugural Rogers Legends Hockey to Charity Skins game down at the Shaw Charity Classic at Canyon Meadows this Saturday. Um, Cassie wanted to ask you. Uh, your husband Brad is obviously a part of the Flames uh, organization in the front office. Do you stress about Calgary Flames wins uh, because of him? Do, do you think about that kind of stuff? I know being a, a professional athlete like you were, um, is you're like, oh, man, I wish they can go on a big winning streak. Just makes things easier for my husband. Do, do you think about that kind of stuff? Do you watch the Flames differently than maybe any other team in the NHL? Yeah, for sure. I think that's inevitable. You know, when you, you have a family member that's part of an organization, you know, I still have to do my job and I still have to, you know, kind of <laughs> lay things out there and, and sometimes say things that, you know, maybe my husband wishes I didn't say, but we we have an understanding about that. And, um, you know, this has been an interesting summer. You know, it, we, we I'll be honest with you, weren't sure where we were going to be and where we were going to end up. And, um, you know, we're, we're so excited to still be part of the Calgary Flames as a family. And, you know, I'm excited for him. He got a little bit of a bump in, in what his title was. And I think the organization, you know, really understood what he brought. And, and I think he's really excited, I'll be honest with you, to to work with Craig Conroy. And, and you know, obviously him and Brad Trilliving were great friends, but, you know, uh, Connie's just such an inclusive guy and such a positive guy to be around, and I think he's really enjoying that. And, you know, you, you bring in Jerome McGinley, and, and I, I think the organization's trying to, you know, make some changes from a cultural side of things. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for Ryan Huska. Obviously, I, I know the family, his wife Denise, and their three kids, and, but this is a guy that, that has really kind of worked his way to get this opportunity and just so smart, so intelligent, uh, such an incredible human being. And so I think there's a lot of positives, And but it doesn't really matter what you do in the offseason. It matters, you know, that first eight games, first 10, 12 games, and 
and how they start and more importantly, how they finish and are they able to get into a playoff spot. And, you know, I think all year, you know, if there's winning, things are a little bit easier at home. And when, when things aren't going so well, you're kind of like, okay, you know, who's coming home today and what kind of mood are they going to be in? And, um, you know, I think you live that as a family too. You live that as a hockey family. Of course you want your husband's team to win. Um, but it, yeah, it, it goes with ups and downs, but it's a, it's a great life to live, to be in the hockey life. It's, it's a lot of fun. And I think we both understand each other's jobs and understand, you know, the, the busyness that we have as individuals. And, and our first priority is obviously our daughter and, and she's first and foremost. Um, Matt and I have talked about this, uh, Cassie, just the, the vibe around the Calgary Flames has really changed this off season. Just a lot more positivity, I feel like, emanating from the Dome than maybe it hasn't been the last few seasons. And I think they're, they're making a conscious effort here potentially to be more player-friendly. As a former player, how important is that if, if you're going to join the Calgary Flames or you're interested as a free agent in the Calgary Flames and now this organization seemingly wants to be more player-friendly? Well, I think it's really important in this day and age. You know, I think people underestimate the importance, too, of these players' families' role and, and their happiness within the organization. And, um, you know, there's one wife that people are going to really miss, and that's Brittany Lucic. Like, she was a glue person behind the scenes. And, you know, they hosted dinners, and, you know, all the, the families had young kids, and they would get together and help each other when the guys were on the road. And, you know, I think that's such an important element that people really don't realize behind the scenes, and that's a huge priority for the Flames. You know, they have people that are specifically in charge of just the families and making sure they're taken care of and those types of things. And, you know, I think having a new arena is going to be essential. And, you know, the Scotiabank Saddledome has a ton of history to it, but it, let's face it, it, it isn't in a condition that it should be for an NHL arena. And so getting that fixed and getting that, you know, a new arena, I think, is going to be really key to, to keep players and to want players to come here. And I, I know for a fact that whether it's an American player, and I, I know Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau have left, but I know for a fact for young families, they love the city of Calgary. They love what it offers their children with the mountains and, and everything. And um, I think it's essential. Like a player's family's happiness is essential to their success. And, um, you know, having said that, you paid a lot of money. And, you better show up and play. And I think um, no matter what excuses you may have or whatever, it doesn't matter. You're in the NHL and you have to bring your best game every single night. And I think last year they just didn't have that consistency. And they also lost a lot of one goal games in overtime and, and shootouts. And um, so it, you know, it could have been a lot different last year than it ended up, but you know, it is the game and you got to provide the points and you got to play at your best. And, you can't have excuses, but I think the organization as a whole really understands the importance of, of the entire Flames family and, and not just the players. Cassie, what do you think Jerome McGinley's role could be in the organization? Well, I see him a lot as, as kind of what Craig Conroy has done throughout the organization mm-hmm. and throughout his time. And I think Craig started soon after his career, you know, to be involved in the organization, but like that's, that's what detailed people do, right? They want to learn everything they can. They want to soak up as much knowledge. And, you know, I think Jerome could follow easily in those footsteps that Craig has sort of laid as a, as a former player and a former flame. And, but I also seen him understand that he has a lot to learn and, you know, just getting involved in the development side and the scouting side. Like I see him really trying to dabble 
in a little bit of everything in this first couple of years and then sort of branch out and see where his strengths are and see what he can bring to the table. But um, I will say this, he's a team first guy and he just wants what's best for the team. I think he'll be a great person for, for guys to sort of lean on and vent to and, and help them through difficult times. I think he'll be a, a great mentor for a guy like Huberto, who even mm-hmm. though he's a veteran player, I think, you know, going through some difficult times as a veteran player, you kind of need that veteran presence to talk to. So I think, you know, that'll be something that he does and, and travel with the team from time to time. And, you know, just knowing Jerome, like I do, we did a hockey school back in the day and, and I've known him for a long time. He's just a real detailed person. That's how he was when he played. And, and I think he'll, he'll take advantage of every opportunity he can to learn the organization and whether or not he becomes, you know, a president of hockey ops down the road or vice president, or if he follows in the footsteps of Craig and wants to become a GM, um, I think, you know, he can basically do whatever he wants, but I know he'll want to learn the whole process much like Craig did. And, um, you know, he'll, he'll be an inclusive guy. He'll want to pick people's brains and, and, um, you know, I think he'll be a key person to have around more so for the players in the sense of just having someone that's been through things and, and can really have those honest conversations that need to be had sometimes from a management side to a player side and from a coaching side to a player side. I think he'll be a good middle person on those conversations. Every organization kind of has someone like that and uh, someone from a former team who has had great success with the group. But I, I'm just fascinated to watch like Matthew Coronado and Jacob Pelche kind of be around Jerome McGinley and what he can kind of bring to those younger players as far as just being an NHLer. Is that something that you think is going to be a, a big part as well? Yeah, I think anytime you get a chance to sit down with someone like that, you know, you're, you just be able to pick his brain. You get to learn a little quicker. Um, and, you know, I think the veterans on the team, like the Huberdos and the Cadres, you know, that's a, a huge part of their responsibility in the Lindholms of helping those younger guys. And I think we saw a little bit of that with Huberto Pelche last year and, um, you know, sort of that French connection and French background that they have. I think that was really important. Um, and I see him having an impact in that area, but I, I don't think you can underestimate the impact that he can have. And, you know, from a management side, even Craig just bouncing ideas off of him, like, what do you think? And, you know, a veteran player who's maybe struggling and doesn't want to show that he's struggling, wants to continue to show that he's being a leader I think you rely on a guy like Jerome McGinley to have those, you know, difficult conversations with. And this is how I really feel right now. And and I don't want people to see it, but this is what I'm really going through right now. And I think he'll be good in those areas. And, um, you know, just someone that just offers a different opinion. I think the more opinions you have, um, the better you can be as far as making decisions. And I I think Craig and, and Jerome's friendship, they're so close and they trust each other so much. And, you know, I think they can say anything to each other, the good, bad, and the ugly, and, and they'll always have respect for each other because they were great teammates. Um, you know, I think that's really valuable, too, that, you know, he can, you can pick a guy like Jerome McGinley's brain and on anything, you know, from scouting, from development to, you know, player development to, you know, just trades and all those types of things. I think that's just a great voice to have around. Um, Cassie, uh, we've talked about it on this show. What, how difficult is the job for the Flames playing in this division now, which I honestly think is the best in hockey? Sorry, could you say that again? Sorry, we, we've been talking about it on this show, just how what a murderer's row the Pacific Division is now for the Calgary Flames and how tough it is for them to get into the playoffs now, just based on their competition. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the vision just continues to get better and better every year. Everyone's sort of in that window of, you know, maybe Vancouver, not quite so much. But, you know, I think every team in that division, give or take, is in that window of winning. And it's winning now. You know, you look at Edmonton. That's the situation they've been in. And they've lost to the, you know, last two Stanley Cup champions in the playoffs. And uh, so everyone's, you know, heading towards their peak as an organization of winning now. Um and even just the West in general, too, I, I think it's pretty strong. You know, you have your weak sisters in Arizona and Anaheim, but I think generally everyone's been building to be in that winning, you know, sort of four or five-year streak. And But it's the whole league, you know. Like, you think of last year, how many times the Flames lost to Chicago. And, you know, they didn't have a very good roster, but everyone wants to be there. Everyone wants to be in the NHL. And, and you know, they're not just going to give up. And I think you, the moment you take any team for granted in this league is when you get in trouble. And those easy points, so to speak, going into games, um, those are the ones that sometimes can make or break your season. You know, that consistency. And I think that was something last year the Flames just lacked a little bit is just some consistency for whatever reason. And um, part of it was new personnel. You know, a lot of people have talked about the coaching um, but the bottom line as an organization and as a group, the, the entire team didn't get the job done. So um, I, I think these days you can't take any team in this league for granted. And, um, and the Pacific Division for sure is going to be a tough one. Uh, where's the golf game at right now heading into Saturday? I think uh, you were asking me about Saturday. Um, yeah, sorry. Where's the golf game heading into Saturday? Where's it at? Sorry, you're just cutting in and out here. I apologize. What was the question? Uh, sorry, just one more time. Where's the golf game at heading into Saturday? What's my golf game like heading into Saturday? Yeah, right now heading into Saturday, uh, yeah. I got to tell you, I I played Canyon Meadows on Monday with the Blakes Women's Day, and I've, I've played about 25, 30 times this year. I've actually played a lot for me, and I shot a 78 on Monday, and I... <laughs> I uh, I don't know what happened, so I I'm praying that I haven't left all my good shots uh, on the course on Monday. I, I got a text from Mary Philippe Duen this week, and she said, "Hey, should I be practicing for this?" And I was like, "Well, a little bit, you know." And um, yeah, it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's just such a great format, and it's all for charity. You know, two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars for charity up on the line. And you know, I said to I said to Pooh, I said. You know, just let's get one skin. Let's just try to get one skin and go from there. Um, but she's going to be able to hit the ball a ton. It's That's inevitable. And, uh, you know, to be alongside Curtis Joseph and Stuart Skinner and Mike Vernon, Mackenzie Weger and Josh Morrissey and Adam Lowry, they're all great, great guys. And I'm just looking forward to, you know, being on the course and getting an opportunity to watch the pros hit off before us. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be a really fun day that starts for us at the fan zone. We're going to be signing autographs at 11 a.m. And, and then we're probably going to tee off around 2.45, 2.30, depending on how the pros go. So it's it's a real fun event. I've done the Wayne Gretzky, you know, golf event in years past, and there's always tons of people watching, and it gets a little intimidating. But mm. it's all for, for a good cause, and, and uh, it's going to be amazing to see the money that's given to charities throughout this week. I think there's 270 children's charities that are connected to the event. And um, I, I love the Shaw Charity Classic, and now it's presented by Rogers, but it's it's done so much for the community. It's been so fun, and I think they've been really creative in, in some of the events that they've done outside of just watching the pros play. 78's pretty damn good, Cassie. I'm not going to lie. It's a pretty good score. 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, I've hit 70 a few times in my golfing career. I'm normally like a, a low 80 type of person, but I, if I'm playing well and I, I hit 70 a couple of times and like on Monday, I just was blown away. I, you know, on that course with those greens and the rough and I lucked out for sure on a few shots, but, um, I'll take it. And I just hope to have one or two good shots on Saturday. So I don't let poo down, but Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful course too. They've done such a good job and, um, we'll see what happens. I don't want to pump myself up too much because I could duff it off the first (laughs) tee in front of, you know, hundreds of people that might be watching. So, um, we'll see what happens and and I'm just looking forward to being part of it. Our text topic today is, uh, I shot an 80 yesterday, Cassie, and I'm devastated about it. 80. Like that's amazing. Well, no, I know. I it, know, it's really right? Good. Like, oh, I know it's a subtle flex, but it's, it's still like. Flex. Or was that on 18? <laughs> no, it was 18. And I missed three birdie putts on 16, 17, 18 yesterday. Oh, man. See, that's the worst, right? When you have the exactly. and you can't putt. And putting is, as we all know, is half the battle. Yeah. Um, terrific stuff, Cassie. We look forward to seeing you there. And uh, I'm jealous of your 78 because it beats my 80 from yesterday. Thanks for this. All the best this Saturday. Yeah, cheers, you guys. Thanks for having me on. There she is, Cassie Campbell-Pascal, Olympian, <laughs> Olympic gold medalist, Hockey Night in Canada. She'll be part of the inaugural Rogers Legends of the Hockey Charity Skins game down at the Shaw Charity Classic this Saturday. It's an all-star lineup of hockey stars that compete for two hundred and fifty grand in the spectator-friendly charity competition. She's on the captain's team with Marie-Philippe Poulain. We'll talk to Adam Lowry in about 20 minutes. He's on Team Whiteout as we talk to Josh Morrissey. But straight ahead. We're giving away those two movie passes to Gran Turismo. Yeah. What is the uh, sporting equivalent of shooting 80 in golf? 960, 960, name and location. We'll do that next. It's the Big Show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. You're listening to the Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. In about 10 minutes... We'll talk to Adam Lowry of the Winnipeg Jets. He's taking part in the inaugural Rogers Legends of Hockey Charity Skins game down at the Shaw Charity Classic this Saturday at Canyon Meadows. If you missed our conversation with Josh Morrissey and Cassie Campbell-Pascal, check out the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your favorite podcatcher. Um, we got stuff to give away earlier in the program. We played Impossible Flames Trivia, which of course was difficult as it usually is. Right now, we're giving away a pair of passes, uh, two general admissions, two medium drinks, two medium popcorns to see the movie Gran Turismo, based on a true story. I talked about it earlier in the show, um, shot 80 yesterday golfing. What's the sporting equivalent of shooting 80? 960, 960, name and location. You've had time to digest this, Matt. You've you've had time to marinate in your brain. What is your sporting equivalent of shooting 80? Yeah, I think this is... This is I mean, something you haven't really thought. About no, I it, hadn't yeah. put any thought towards this at all. Okay, I was all just right. enjoying reading the text from the listeners all day. No, I, I okay. didn't really think about I, it uh, much. That's my fault for totally throwing you under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> I probably could have had something a little. I like more how you started hand. to tap dance too. Well, well, you know the thing about mm-hmm. it, George, is that um, you I'm know I'm a liar um, and I didn't think about it at all. No, I yeah. no, no, I didn't. Uh, but the uh, quickly emerging as the number one personality on Sports at 960, the fan, Texty McTexerson, mm-hmm. who I'm sure one day will have all of our jobs. I think has already emerged, but it's fine. Pretty much. Um, he's our Sports at 960, the fan, text reading robot. He's all lubed up. 
ready to read your text messages. Uh, what is the sporting equivalent of shooting 80 in golf, as Americans like to say? Oh, texty, let's do it. The sporting equivalent of shooting an 80 is catching the third largest base at the Bob Izumi Classic. Okay. It's a fishing tournament. It's a mm. big one. It's a fun reference. Okay. You got the third biggest base. Bass? Ba- bass? Bass. <laughs> Slap it to base? I searched no. this up, too, and then I got redirected to, like, the... Uh, Ba- the base master, bass master. What am I doing? Ba- bass master. Bass master page. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of neat. There's a tournament on the go right now, and it just shows you like the latest oh, yeah. catches. These like, did you know that fishing. Shane LaHue caught a three pound fish at ten thirty five? That was only two minutes ago. That's awesome. Yeah, Jason Christie caught a three pounder at ten thirty four. Um, how? Uh, what's Alex Weatherall like? caught a two pound three ounce fish at ten thirty four. How much fishing tackle do you have in your apartment right now? In my apartment, zero. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I, I, thought, I thought you and the better half go to Asheville and do a lot of fishing. No, we don't go to Asheville for fishing. I used to when uh, my parents had a place down in Montana. Oh, okay. We'd go on fishing trips every once in a while. We'd okay, tin cool. boat, we'd take it out in a little lake and drink a bunch of beers and smoke some left-handed cigarettes and enjoy ourselves. Um, let's do it. Uh, let's get to another one. Robin Oakridge, losing a perfect game on the last batter because the ump is a nitwit. <laughs> like that Justin Turner strikeout? I don't think that yeah. ended the game, but that was awful. Yeah, robot umps now. I've said it a million times. <laughs> no, they can't do it, George, for reasons that nobody ever really nobody can understand. Really understand. They, get, they get a 135-mile-an-hour serve in tennis to accuracy within a millimeter. But we can't do a strike zone. Nope. You can see it on TV. Yeah. But, yeah. But we can't use it. No. No. No, can't do it. No. That box isn't accurate. We have a union. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, sick. Uh, keep it rolling. Mike in Silver Springs. Scoring the go-ahead goal in Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Finals to have it called back. It was okay. in. It was in. All right, Mike. It I was in. you're trying to do there. It was in. Okay. Did you hear me? It was in. I did. Did I you hear? Josh Morrissey agrees. We talked yeah, to him earlier. It was in. Show. I told you. All right. Keep him going. Jason in Red Deer. Hitting the cycle, but on your triple, some drunk home fan <laughs> grabs the ball down the line, so it's only a double. <laughs> yeah. Can't is he be that, doing that. Is, he the, is it like that Beardo who caught that ball in the 15 ALCS against the Jays? You know what? I can't wait to go to a Jays game next year and try and grab live balls from So the you can side. get. Excuse me? So I can get heave-hoed. Sorry, what? Are you going to sit that close Excuse where you me? can actually reach down on the field? I want to. I don't okay. know. I'm going to I'm gonna try and sit in three different places. Okay. I'm going to move all the way around. Awesome. I want to sit right, down to third round, the third baseline and watch Matt Chapman rip balls over to Vladdy at first. It's going to be Matt sweet. Chapman's still here, he's a free agent. No, okay, I, keep going. no he will be. All right. I'm Kian very, in Okotox. The sporting equivalent to shooting 80 in golf for me would be winning the damn Super Bowl. I'd love to shoot 80. Yeah, this is me. <laughs> this entire thing feels like a pat me on the back segment for George. It's not. I'm sick about it. what it sounds like. But it's not. It's, it's not it's a flex. Like. I don't know. It's not a flex. I don't know. 
Yeah, it's not a flex. I agree with the random texture we just had. Yeah, heartbreaking. Oh, I shot 80. Oh, 8 over par. It's enough. All right. Okay. All right, keep rolling. Ryan in Okotox. The equivalent to that is watching the Calgary Flames get to 15 ties and losing every single tie-breaking game. (laughs) There's no bitterness in that text. So close to the playoffs. No bitterness whatsoever in that text. Just couldn't put one of those in in the net, hey? Yeah, totally over it. 15 overtime losses, hey? Okay, I like that one. I like it because it's dripping in sarcasm and bitterness. I like that one. (laughs) Okay, keep them rolling. Brent in High River. How about Gordy Howe hat trick, but you get the crap beat out of you. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. Stood in there. Uh, Josh Gorsey likes that one, fight, too. But, yeah, kind of got your clock cleaned. That one's, yeah, you're close. Yeah. Like, you got a goal and assist, and then you got to fight Lucic. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> how this bad is not going to go well for uh, Especially, like, how bad do you lose? Yeah. Like, do you just lose and you have to go to the penalty box? Or is it the type of thing where you lose and, and you wake up in a different building, and, and they just tell you that you lost? Yeah. You get the ca- uh, crap beat out of you. Yeah. Right. Um, Keep them rolling. Mike in Asheville. Shooting 80 would be like being from Asheville and thinking you were going to beat someone from Innisfail and then getting smacked down. <laughs> Whoa, that was, that's earlier on in the show. That that's one, a deep cut. That was a twisty turn. There was a lot of... That was a deep cut. Yeah, I didn't know where we were going to end up on that one. How fun. Um, I like that we've started, and- started a really intense rivalry between yeah. a town that doesn't exist in Innisfail. Um, could you get uh, Matt and Cochran's text up too, guys? Yeah, or- the, it's at the very top, fellas. That's a very good one. We're grabbing it. We're grabbing it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, keep rolling, GVP. What? Do, do you have any more? Or? Wedley in Bridalwood. <laughs> it's like Patrick Steffen about to seal the game into an empty net. Only to miss and have Edmonton go the other way and win. Yeah, that was a good one. That's an incredible clip. That's like one of the most mind-blowing sports clips of all time. It's also how a... that guy managed to miss the yawning cage as a professional hockey player. It's also a Lou call. Bergeron yeah. fans on a pass. Stefan steals and he'll ice it. Oh, at least I thought he was gonna until he blew it. <laughs> <laughs> It's incredible. It's so good. Incredible. Till he blew it. That's unbelievable. Um, okay, we we got to get to two more. Wow, we got to get to uh, Adam Lowry on time. Okay, uh, let's, we got the one for Matt and Cochran. Oh, yeah, one second. Okay. I can play more Lou. Oh, at least I thought he was going to until he blew it. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Here it come is. the Oilers the other way, and Hemsky's loose. Hemsky, he scores. Can you? What a great! Like I'm getting goosebumps I'm, from that call. Yeah, and Incredible. it's a Dallas Stars Edmonton Oilers game. Yeah, <laughs> where the Oilers win. Yeah, <laughs> yuck. Okay, two more from texting, and we got to give it away. Shooting eighty is like sending Nick Ritchie outfit a shootout with your season on the line. <laughs> Matt and Cochran. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good numbers though against them. Yeah, yeah, real analytically driven. Yeah, that's what the Flames were, mm-hmm. especially with Daryl on the bench. All right, how many we got more? How many more? GVP? That's all we got. Well, which one do you like the best, Maddie? I'm, uh, I'm gonna. I like the last one. I, I did Maddie think Cochran? it was fun. Yeah, 
shooting 80 is like sending Nick Ritchie out for a shootout with your season on the line. Yeah, that's pretty good. Congratulations, Matt and Cochran. Uh, you win. You win uh, two general missions, two medium drinks, two medium popcorns to see Gran Turismo, which based on the unbelievable true story of a team of unlikely underdogs. Congratulations. Make sure you layer that butter. It's key. Very key. Do you also put the, the seasoning, the topping on the uh, popcorn, Matt? Uh, the better half doesn't like it, um, but when I went to see the Meg 2 in D-Box by myself, uh, I definitely bring put... A uh, no, I didn't bring... You creep. No, I just... Uh, I put some dill on it that time. Okay, yes. wait. You went to go see the Meg 2? Yeah, by myself okay, so, in D-Box. Okay. It was incredible. Okay, I'm sure it was. I just saw the one highlight of what's-his-name. Jason Statham? Like... Kicking somebody yeah. on the dock, yeah. and then at the same time, the <laughs> yeah. shark comes and yeah. eats them. Yeah, it's so good. How stupid. It's incredibly stupid. It's <laughs> so poorly written. Dude, some of the logic is incredible. Like, first of all, they expect you to believe that all of this is occurring about five times as deep as the submersible was when it imploded. So that's the first part that you're like, okay, this is maybe hard to believe. And then on top of that, there are just a litany of things that just defy science while they try and like yeah. be very scientific yeah. to you. It's right. it's really ham-handed. It's watch just, m- watch Moonfall on on Prime. It's incredible. It's the worst movie ever. Moonfall's the same way. I would not say the mag is bad because like oh my goodness, if you just yeah. want to see sharks eating stuff, you're right. gonna love this. Um, again, we're we're down we're down a rabbit hole, but now I got to ask our next guest uh, from the Winnipeg Jets, Adam Lowry, going to be part of the inaugural Rogers Legends of Hockey Charity Skins game down at Canyon Meadows this Saturday on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Park guest hotline. Adam, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Adam, sorry, I'm, I'm putting you totally on the spot. Uh, when you're on the road, do you watch a ton of movies? Is that something you do? Uh, I don't watch a ton of movies. I'm more TV shows. That's kind of how I kill the time. So uh, I, I heard you guys talk about the Meg and stuff, and I'll be honest, I haven't seen it. Um, what's the What's the worst movie you've seen recently? <laughs> oh, worst movie I've seen recently? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think the worst movie I've seen all time is Spring Breakers. But Okay. <laughs> so bad. It's so bad. Uh, Wait, was that with Selena Gomez? Yeah, and James Franco. Yeah, like Selena Gomez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. James Franco has cornrows. It's a, yes. it's, it's a mess. Yeah, I think that's one of the only movies I've ever left the theater for. Um, I I actually went really to see it at the movies too. I'll suck uh, it up, but yeah, yeah, it is. I am a big fan of the Selena Gomez, though, Adam. I'm not going to lie, big fan of the. Uh, <laughs> Selena it just wasn't her best performance, right? No, it was not. Although uh, Selena plus Chef, when she does cooking, it's very good. You should check it out hey, if you haven't seen it. All, I'm a big fan Only of Murders okay. in the Building, new season just came out. It's oh, so okay. far so good. Well, they got Paul Rudd. They got, uh, well, oh, what's well, her Adam, name? You're, you're, you're talking Meryl about Meryl that, that is uh, Al- Disney? Disney. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Disney. So okay. what, what shows have you been watching? Like, what were you watching on the road recently? Um, I was... I was kind of on a Star Wars kick, as nerdy as that sounds. I watched Andor, um, oh, Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of went down that rabbit hole. So there, were, there was a bunch of those that you know I'd kind of hadn't seen, and you know, watched a lot of those. Uh, yeah, throughout the year, I finished Peaky Blinders. Um, you know, usually I wait for a few seasons to come out before I hop on, so that I'm not waiting a couple of years to you know, get back into a show. But yeah. 
Adam, you, you couldn't be any more in my co-host Matt's wheelhouse than what you just said. <laughs> yeah, man. Ahsoka's coming out in like two weeks. I'm very excited for it. Yeah, yeah I, honestly, they do such a good job with so it. Good. Uh, you know, and they've kind of progressed it, you know, kind of from the childhood into adolescence and adulthood that it's, you know, it's not as, uh, you know, far-fetched as, uh, you know, I used to be, uh, obviously sci-fi. It's, uh, you know, it's make-believe, but it's okay. Yeah, um, again, uh, right in my man Matt Rose's uh, wheelhouse. Adam, we had uh, Josh Morrissey on, your teammate. He'll be your teammate at the Shaw Charity Classic this Saturday down at Canyon Meadows. Uh, he said, uh, I'm not going to tell you what he said, but I asked him who the best golfer is on the Winnipeg Jets. What do you think he said? I would say Mark Shifley. Oh, he did say, yes. Yeah, Shifley and came Blake up. Wheeler. Yeah, so Shifley and Wheels comparative. If Wheels had as much free time as Mark did. You know, Wheels is busy raising his family. That he doesn't get on the course, doesn't get to practice quite as much. I would say Blake would probably be the best player, but on a consistent basis, yeah, Mark for sure. Um, yeah, he, he's a great player. And then J-Mo's right up there too. J-Mo's, you know, some days he's he likes to show up to the course, uh, you know, cutting it close, doesn't give himself a lot of warm-up time, but you know, if he gets there, he's you know he, he's a good player. Are you telling me uh, Josh Morrissey's a trunk slammer? Uh, yeah. So you, you kind of you know tell him the tee times ten minutes earlier than it is. <laughs> yes. Hope that he's there, kind of thing. But you know he's got so much on the go all the time that uh, he's. Uh, but you know he's he's a great golfer. I think mm. so. Now that Wheels is gone, it would be Shife and J-Mo. Those are kind of our two better players, for sure. Uh, who's got the worst uh, golf fit on the team? Like, who were, who looks the worst on the course? Okay, uh, worst style, but that's all subjective. Like, yep. Connor Hellebuck, when he plays, he's big into the visors, you know. He's, <laughs> so, it, like, for me, that's not my personal style, so, you know, we always razz him about that. Uh, does he spike his hair when he does that, uh, Adam? <laughs> Uh, no, but he should go with the frosted tips. Yeah, yep. yep. Ian Poulter wow. style. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So maybe that's who he's trying to emulate. Like he's a he's a pretty good player, hmm. um, in his own right. But again, like he's kind of like Blake. He doesn't golf as much as you know some of the, or the rest of us. He, he's more into fishing. He'd rather spend his time on the water than hmm. the course. So you know, maybe he hasn't updated the wardrobe in a while. <laughs> it, it it always amazes me when guys don't wear hats playing golf. Adam, it just it just yeah. weirds me out. I just I don't I don't get it. You know, I I need that sun protection. I'm uh, pretty yeah. pale. That uh, if I didn't have a hat, you know, my nose would be blistered. I'd be, you know, bright red. Especially the last few days, I've been out trying to you know get my game in somewhat working order for <laughs> this weekend and. It's been like the two hottest days of the summer, and you, you just come off the court just absolutely defeated. Well, I wanted to ask you, like, are are you stressing out? Because uh, again, you guys do you perform at the highest level in front of thousands of people, and even a hell of a lot more at home. But you're just going to have eyes on you the entire time. Golf, something that you're not a professional at. Like, is am I getting in your own head? Because. Uh, I asked this to Josh, too, and he kind of said, thanks for putting this, planting this in my brain. Is this something you've been thinking about? You're like, oh, God, all these people are going to be watching me hit a golf ball. I, I need to be good at this. Well, <laughs> if you've seen me in my golf swing, you're going to just laugh, and you're going to be like, oh, it's a little flap shot. This guy's kind of up there with Charles Barkley. So, like, 
I can kind of, I can stick handle my way around the course. Like I get, yeah. I get around, you know, I'll make some birdies. I'll make some double bogeys kind of thing. But the thing that I have, it's almost like the yips. If people are up off into the right, you know, sometimes I hosel them right at them. So I was in pro skate yesterday. We were chatting about Saturday and, you know, the Rogers charity skins game. And I'm like, that's the thing I'm most worried about is, you know, hosling one and hitting a spectator. <laughs> yeah. You know, J-Mo's got to play it with a body lane next to him and they were dying. But so we'll see. Uh, you know, hopefully J-Mo puts them close and I just have to, you know, either have the driver in my hand or uh, the putter. A little cleanup duty. That'd be good, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, as we get set for the season, are you getting fired up? Is this the time of year where you're like, oh, my golf game is the time is running out for that? Or what's your kind of mentality as we get closer? Uh, no, I, I get excited. I think the more often you get on the ice, um, and the closer it gets to September, you know, kind of the date when guys start heading back to you know, their respective cities, you, mm-hmm. you know, the intensity ramps up a little more on the ice. It gets becomes a little more competitive and, you know, you start missing it. Like you start getting excited for for training camp. You know, I, I will miss the golf, but uh, <laughs> uh, there's plenty of time to to make up for that in the summertime. You know, I've I've certainly had my fill. I've played enough rounds that you know by the time that camp starts, uh, you know, I, I'll be happy at hockey season again. Now, on top of that, um, the one thing I wanted to ask you about is some of your teammates, like. Uh, when you go out on the road, do you guys go golf very much? Like when you're going down south, because like you mentioned, you get to see these guys play a little bit, but in season, it's kind of tough for you guys. Do you kind of circle trips to Arizona, Florida, that type of thing? Um, usually, it, it kind of depends. Like we have to wait to see what our practice schedule is going to look like before you can really book times. The, the tough part is it's really frowned upon to bring your club, so you're either dealing mm. with ship sticks or you're renting and. Um, <laughs> But I, I think, you know, depending on kind of the breaks in the schedule, um, you know, guys will look to try and play. It, it's a good break. It's nice to get outside, especially in the wintertime in Winnipeg. It's it's nice to, you know, spend some hours outdoors on the road and stuff. So, you know, if we have time in California, Florida, Arizona, like you said, you know, guys will try and find uh, you know, some of those bucket list courses. You know, a few years ago, we couldn't get on pedal because, we needed uh, three nights stay during that season, or you have to book forty-eight hours in advance. So we ended up playing Spyglass, but um, it, it was pretty pretty sweet bad. to kind of get those views and get to play that course and um, just different courses like that. You know, we, we try and take advantage when we can. Um, kind of as the season wears on, I feel like you get a little more tired. You kind of want to spend a little more time, maybe by the pool, relax and recovering, but. Uh, we certainly have some good golf matches on the road too. Um, Adam, what's uh, low key uh, your favorite city on the road? Oh, favorite city on the road. Um, I like going to Nashville. Buffalo. You know. Oh, okay. Uh, hey, Buffalo. We get chicken wings in the room after the game. It's Buffalo is mm-hmm. kind of better than than you know people are giving it credit for. I'm not going to knock uh, some of those smaller centered cities, uh, being from Winnipeg, but. Uh, I, I think Nashville's great to go to. Uh, kind of Broadway kind of reminds you of Stampede time, you know, just year-round. Uh, right. Then it's the rinks to play. Like, I love going to Montreal. Like, it's it's such a cool rink, such a cool atmosphere. Um, but, yeah, those two would probably be right up there as places to, to visit. 
Um, Adam, uh, we appreciate your time. Uh, you'll be a part of the inaugural Rogers Legends of Hockey Charity Skins game this Saturday down at Canyon Meadows for the Shaw Charity Classic. Uh, go back to the, the the driving range and go hit some. Go try to hit them straight. Okay, we'll, we'll be yeah, watching. Thanks for this, pal. Try and make it smaller. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for having for me, guys. There he is, uh, Adam Lowry uh, of the Winnipeg Jets. We've had a lot of fun today, Maddie. This has been a good show. I've enjoyed this. Well, oh, it's been fun. I've had a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got Mackenzie Weger on the show tomorrow. The Weeg Dog. But you won't be here. No, I'm not going to be here. No, no, no. You're off tomorrow, Monday. <sighs> you and your vacations. I know. i got to stop. Uh, I just feel like I'm letting the rest of the show down. Uh, enjoy your time off, sir. Patrick and I will be back tomorrow. Uh, check out the podcast. Lots of fun stuff. What do we got coming up in Mucho Big Show, GVP? I thought our chat with Josh Morrissey was awesome, so we're going to run that back right away here. Cool. Awesome. Uh, stay tuned for that. Also, check out the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your favorite podcatcher. I'll be back tomorrow with Patrick. Matty Rose taking a couple days off. Well-deserved, mm. I might add. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Matty won't. We'll t- Matty will talk to you on Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.